Part three, chapter eighteen of a vital question or what is to be done by Nikolai Chernyshevsky, translated by Nathan Haskell Dole, eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five, and others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part three, marriage and second love, chapter eighteen. But how could he withdraw? his former game of making believe offended of exhibiting some mean feature of his character so as to depend upon it would not work twice to perform the same trick is impossible a second performance like the first would only have revealed the design of the first would have shown him up as the hero not only of the new but also of the former affair yes and generally speaking it is necessary to avoid any abrupt cessation of relations such an avoidance would be easier but it would be theatrical it would arouse attention that is at the present time it would be mean and contemptible or according to kirsdnof's theory of egotism it would be a stupid miscalculation and so there remained only one and the most tormenting means that is an unobtrusive renunciation carried out in a slow and unnoticeable manner so that it might not be seen that he was giving them up this action is very difficult it requires great tact to disappear from sight so that your motion is not noticed when you are watched by bright eyes but it could not be helped he had to do it in this way however according to kirsdnof's theory it was not tormenting at all but rather agreeable for the harder a deed is to accomplish the gladder you are on the selfish theory at the strength and skill which you have shown while successfully accomplishing it and indeed he fulfilled it successfully he did not betray his attention by one word too much or one word too little or by a look as before he was free and jocular with vira pavlovna as before he made it evident that he enjoyed her society but there appeared various things to hinder his coming to the lopukhovs as often as before or remaining there a whole evening as before and the result was that lopukhov had to seize him more often than before by his arm or the lapel of his coat with the words no old fellow you can't get rid of this discussion so easily and by far the larger part of the time that kirsdnof spent at the lopukhovs he tried to stay by his friend's sofa and everything was arranged so gradually that it was not noticed at all how the change was developing interruptions came along and kirsdnof not only brought them up as excuses but moreover was sorry this did not happen every time for too great show of sorrow would not do that such an interruption happened and these interruptions seemed to be so natural so unavoidable that the lopukhovs themselves pushed him from the house reminding him that he had forgotten his promise to be at home because such and such an acquaintance whom he ought to see was coming to his house or he forgot that if he did not call to-day on such and such a person such and such a person would be offended or he had forgotten that he ought to work for at least four hours and ought he not to sleep a little to-night in preparation for it why it's ten o'clock already and he must not talk any more he must go and take up his work kirsdnof moreover did not always listen to them when they reminded him he would not go to see his acquaintances he would let his friend get angry or the work would not run away so he would spend the evening with them but these interruptions kept growing more frequent and scientific operations began to steal unmercifully one evening after another from kirsdnof 
They might go to the deuce, according to his opinion, and sometimes he used to say this aloud. That is, his scientific occupations or his acquaintances have been imposing upon him more than usual. How they did impose upon him. This also he used to say aloud. And so it seemed to him, and the Lopukhovs saw very well how it was, that he was getting to be very popular, and so there always came up more and more people to whom he was necessary. And then he must not treat his work carelessly, for there was no excuse for his being so lazy. And indeed, he had been very lazy during the last few months, and it would be hard for him to begin work again. But you must work, brother Alexander. And she would say, it's time, Alexander Matveitch. The maneuver was a difficult one. For week after week, it was necessary to prolong this wheeling to the left and around, and the turn was made so slowly so steadily like the hands of a clock look at it as attentively as you please you cannot see that it is turning but it does its work silently it steadily goes away from its former position and what pleasure kirsdnof as a theorist had in watching his skill in putting this into practice egotists and materialists act only for their own pleasure and kirsdnof laying his hand on his heart could say that he was playing this game only for his own pleasure he delighted in his skill and his boldness thus passed a month and maybe somewhat more and if any one had reckoned he would have found that during this month his friendliness to the lopukhovs had not diminished a hair's breadth but fourfold less time he spent with them and simultaneously he reduced to almost a half the time that he used to spend with vira pavlovna one month more and while their former friendship still remained the friends would see each other but little and the thing would have its hat on lopukhov's eyes were sharp don't they really see anything no not a thing but vira pavlovna and vira pavlovna notices nothing but does she notice no change in herself vira pavlovna notices no change in herself only vira pavlovna dreams a dream End of part three, chapter eighteen, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.